1: welcome to this edition of ask me anything friday thanks for tuning in to the houndsman xp podcast i am your host chris powell we mix it up every friday with different content and this week in the queue it's ask me anything heath hyatt host of The Journey on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network, and Josh Michaelis, the host of The Truth, all come together to answer your questions. This is how it works, folks. When you're following our social media group, it's the group, it's not the page, it's Houndsman XP Podcast Group, you will see a picture of me and Tuff sitting in my truck, and that should be your cue to start dropping those questions for an AMA Friday. We let those questions sit in the group, let you all see them, and then the one with the most likes, the most interest, are the ones that we choose for our AMA Fridays. Pretty simple. See a picture, drop your question, and hope that people like it. We're going to talk about things like multi-purpose dogs or jack-of-all-trade. We're going to talk about competition issues like dogs being too independent where we're going in the future, we're going to talk about other training questions that came up, and of course, from our friend Derek Torminen of Outer Agenda Artwork, we are going to talk about what dog Chuck Norris would choose. We can always depend on Derek to add some humor to this thing, and then my old camp cook buddy, Greg McBride, asked the magic question, do you put sugar in cornbread, the answers are going to surprise you for sure i need to give a shout out to freedom hunters and it's only fitting memorial day is monday and freedom hunters is a veterans outreach program that puts returning veterans from deployment active duty their kids gold star family members i've participated with all these types of people and with freedom hunters but they put them back out in the field for hunting adventures and houndsman xp has been partnering with them for a long time to coordinate these, these adventures for our veterans. And the reason we do that, there's, in my mind, there are plenty of places they can go deer hunt or they can turkey hunt, but we want to include these veterans, our heroes, the people that keep our freedom free. We wanna make sure that they're exposed to hound adventures too. And the reason I'm giving them a very special shout out this week, is because Seth Hall is getting ready to go to British Columbia and rep Houndsman XP and Freedom Hunters on a bear hunt up there with some veterans for Freedom Hunters. So that's cool. We really appreciate Anthony Pace and all he does over there for Freedom Hunters and for America's veterans. While we're on that subject, make sure Monday on Memorial Day, try to take a minute and remember what that day is all about. It's not about veterans. It's about... It's about people who've paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom, and um, it's pretty sobering when you think that people would lay down their life for people they don't know, just so we can make sure that we continue to live the kind of life that we live here in the United States. Freedom is a precious thing. and needs to be guarded. And the least we can do is take a minute on Memorial Day and remember the sacrifice that's paid for that freedom across the whole world. This is a box shaker, folks. AMA Friday. Let's get the tailgate down, get the doors open on the competition extreme. It's time to dump the box. All right, so we're kind of making a wild and crazy AMA episode here because everybody is busy. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You heard you heard the infamous laugh. We got Heath Hyatt. We're waiting on on Josh Michaelis to show up because we're going to talk about some competition coon hunting stuff here shortly. Not that he's an expert, but his son is. His son's got a lot more cast wins than the last year than Josh, did, <laughs> that's for sure. So um, so I'm just gonna we got a bunch to cover. Have you but before we get there, Heath, have you been have you been checking out our new dog box? I have.
0: Um yeah, I posted it on my stuff on my social media platforms, and I got some feedback from it. Uh, it seems like everybody likes. I think you call it the naked the yeah uh, n- naked. the diamond plate with the the black trim. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that seems to be the, the catcher.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, we uh yeah. 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 All the all that black on that thing uh, is powder coated, so you get all mm-hmm. that powder coating against that <clears throat> naked ultra bright diamond plate and it just makes it pop. So, yeah, I'll tell you one thing I want to start to show off with, and this is an AMA and it's a, it's a question that, that popped up and is often misunderstood. And this is, this is strictly for Indi- the state of Indiana. So I guess, uh, Bry- I guess Bryce got a, um, got a question a about, message, yeah. yeah, he got a, He got a message. And <clears throat> evidently some, some coon hunters have been asking him and they've been asking the, the conservation officers as well. They kind of call me out a little bit. Did you get that feeling?
0: Yeah. They wanted to know where to come from. I was like, well, it's a game ward, man. I don't know. You just, they're down the road. You got to watch them.
1: That's right. <laughs> the law's down the road. That's right. Yeah. Now the, the question was, is, uh, I've said it on the podcast before that in the state of Indiana with written permission from a landowner that you can take raccoons year round. So that means yep. during the closed season. So I got, I got to lay this out a little bit. And, and one of the complaints was, or one of the questions was, or the statements, I shouldn't say complain. It wasn't a complaint. It was uh, Hey, you know, Chris has said this on the podcast a few times. I can't find it anywhere. One of the things about, Fish and game law and rules and all that stuff. I mean, I could, we, I took four years of this stuff in college. So to think that I can sum it up in one podcast is impossible. I can't do it. So I just need to get you to, to what you need to know. For one thing, a lot of the, the, th- the nuances of the law are not going to be in the hunting and fishing guide or what you can find that's published, you know, published online. You've yeah, actually yeah. got to go into the law and read it.
0: And so, code.
1: Yeah. yep, yep. And Indiana is that place is the administrative code. The law, yep. which is set by the legislature, simply says that the DNR okay. has the authority to set rules for to set hunting regulations, season dates, bag limits, methods, all that different stuff. And then the the Natural Resources Commission gets in there and says, okay, well, you can hunt deer on these days. You can hunt deer with with these these firearms you can kill this many deer you can hunt raccoons now well and those are all called administrative code so about and i don't even remember the year it's it's had to be almost 10 years ago now but fish and wildlife and the natural resources commission <clears throat> changed the rule the administrative rule that applies to taking nuisance fur bears and the reason they did it was because The old law was so restrictive for landowners that it was almost impossible for them to take care of problems on their own property. So, all right, here's where the confusion comes in. And there are just, I'm going to call out Indiana game wardens too. You guys are just as ignorant as anybody else on this. Because the administrative code clearly says in Title IX under Fur Bearers that uh, you can take nuisance fur bearers as long as they don't conflict with any of the methods, the approved methods. Okay. So, when we get into this, to make it real clear, there's nothing in the law that says that you can hunt your coon hound with written permission from the landowner and take raccoons year round. It doesn't say that anywhere. It also doesn't say that you can trap them. It doesn't say that you can shoot them with a rifle. It doesn't say that, uh, you know, it doesn't say any of that. So it just says that, that you cannot take nuisance fair bear fur bears with any method that is, that is a prohibited method in section 18 of that three twelve title nine. I know that's clear as mud, but the whole point is they didn't say you can go out and use a coon hound, but a it also says in other places in the law that using a hound is an approved method for taking fur bears. So there it is, because the law doesn't prohibit you from doing it, you can do it.
0: Did, did you? And I know that the the question was, and they said they had asked some game wardens, and they said you cannot do it. So never run into that.
1: Right when you're getting your answer to answer a question, you start freaking out on me here heath there you're back now. yeah
0: so have you ever i'm driving guys i'm driving i'm headed back from pennsylvania so i'm in and out a little bit um have you ever had to deal with that in your job not not your coon hunting but in your job where somebody was doing that and they were actually within the law
1: absolutely yeah i was still doing it when i was still working i was engaged in that exact activity with written permission from landowners. I was, there's some farmers around here that I had written permission from. I kept them in a binder. I keep those permissions in a, a binder. I keep it in my truck and, and that way, boom, I've got the written permission. So, and people say, you know, it, it amazes me because some of these officers out here are saying, oh, you can't do that. And, and Chris is wrong. Well, I sat in the meetings. I was in the fish and wildlife council committee meeting, meetings with the the staff at the time when we laid all this out. So fish and wildlife was there. Law enforcement was there. We were all there. I specifically asked the question in front of the, the operations major and the, the director of the department and everybody. I said, to be clear, this means that guys can use coon hounds to take nuisance raccoons on people's property. And the lady who's in charge of it, the director of this department that that was implementing this rule, rule change said, yes, absolutely. So here's, here's the deal. If there's any conservation officers out there from Indiana sure. that have any questions about this, just call me. Call me and ask me. And if you're a hunter from Indiana and you've got an officer that's telling you that it's not, then I will put the actual link to the administrative code in these show notes. So, here's 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 your opportunity to take this to an officer and say this is very clear in the law. So, yep. that's that's the first one. You can do it. And and I'm kind of to be honest with you, I'm kind of waiting for one of the newer officers out there that I don't know yet to come across me <laughs> <laughs> in in June or July, and try and and write me the ticket, please. Write me a ticket. I'd love to go to the, go to court and get this settled once and for all.
0: Well, that. That,
1: we're gonna clear that up. Yeah, yep. Let's let Josh Michaelis in here. We just want to let him stew a little bit. Wait, think? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: All right. Hey, let's let if
0: he's on time, he's late, and if he's five minutes early, he's on time. He's late.
1: You're in law enforcement, Heath, and I've I'm, I'm retired mm-hmm. law enforcement, and and the laws yeah. written, officers don't have the discretion to enforce the law the way they think that it should be or the way they That's feel right. about it.
0: Well, but what you run into, yeah, and we you know we call ours the the, v- the code of Virginia. Our, all of our laws are in the code book. And it's a code book, man. It's, I mean, you've got to decipher that code because it's like what you said. It may be written one way, but it was intended purpose was completely an opposite of what you think it should be. And that's where you have to have conversations with your, we call, we call them our Commonwealth attorneys or the attorneys that work with us in prosecuting our cases. And um, like I said, it's, you know, and all and our, ours is the same way. A lot of our game laws are in the administrative code, which is a twenty nine point one code in ours code section. And if it's not in the criminal section, which is the eighteen two, you got to go to the twenty nine one to figure it out.
1: And a exactly. lot of people
0: don't know that, and they don't know that.
1: It's not it's not as cut and dry as <laughs> you know. Well, it says it it says it somewhere that I can I can hunt raccoons with my hound. During the summer, it doesn't, it's not that simple. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to give you the number right here because I saved this on my phone. It's 312 yep. for Indiana hunters. It's 312 Indiana Administrative Code 9 3 15. And that part is called Taking Beaver, Mink, Muskrat, Longtail, Weasel, Red Fox, Gray Fox, Opossum, Skunks, Raccoons, Squirrels, or Mute Swans on Private Property. The first section says, A resident landowner or tenant may take the following species of wild animals without a permit at any time. If the wild animal is causing damage or threatening to cause damage to property or is posing a health or safety threat to persons or domestic animals. So, all right, so we got that part of the law. And then the specific part that we need to be aware of in this conversation Is section D and it says an individual may take wild animals listed in subsection A, which lists raccoons for a resident landowner or tenant with written permission from the landowner or tenant tenant, and with no compensation of any kind. There it is, raccoons are listed. And all, the only the only thing that it says you can't do is that you have to go to section 18 and look at the prohibited methods, and that's like leg hold traps with jaws in them, snares that are over a certain circumference, poison, uh, out of, smoking them out of dens, taking them out of you know all that different stuff. But hounds isn't listed there, so <laughs> this is your this is your deal. And I know the next thing is these officers are all saying. Because uh, I've heard them say it. They say, well, you can't, Chris, you can't prove that that raccoon is the, the one, one that, was, yeah. that was causing damage or threatening <clears throat> to cause damage. Well, I've got a couple answers for that. One, when is the last time that you saw a raccoon that was not at least threatening to cause damage, property damage somewhere? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> they're, they're guilty just by walking around. Well, I'm
0: going to say, we'll do the old hillbilly method. If I kill it, I know it ain't going to do no damage.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. But here's the main kicker for me. As a, as a citizen of the United States of America, it's not my job to prove that that raccoon was getting ready to cause damage or he or he was causing damage. It's your job as a law enforcement officer to prove that he wasn't. Yeah. The burden of proof is on the state, not on you. You don't have to prove anything.
0: And I mean I mean I would assume, because I've hunted in Indiana, that crop damage alone, anything you run out of a corner or a bean field up there would be considered a nuisance. Yep. I mean I mean I I mean that that's pretty cut and dried, I would think.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm not privy to this entire conversation, but what kind of fine are we talking about here? Because <laughs> In Missouri, if you're like paying it, if you're
0: paying it, I'll get, well, I'll get a couple of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not just paying the fine for shooting a coon out of season isn't big enough to, you know, I'll pay that. Um, I'd say what a
0: hundred and a quarter, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think it's around one hundred and twenty bucks, allegedly. Yeah. I mean,
1: well, allegedly, I mean I that's
0: right, allegedly. allegedly.
1: That's what the that's what the go on fine is. You know, you got the court costs. Court costs alone in the state of Indiana are when I when I retired we were around one hundred and thirty two dollars. So usually, what you ended up with was a was a dollar two dollar fine and cost. So yeah. you're looking at one hundred and thirty five bucks for. it, But it could, you know, the when the when you're standing in court and the judge reads the penalty, it's just a Class C misdemeanor with a fine up to five thousand dollars, up to one year in jail, probation, blah blah blah. But Realistically, it was usually fine and cost. You know, fifty bucks and your cost, you're out of there for one hundred and eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah, I'd pay that. Yeah, but I mean, you shouldn't have to. I agree, but I'm yeah, but I
0: think you got a legitimate argument. How how are they going to read in the code section you just read, Chris? I mean, <laughs> I don't think they can find you guilty of that at all.
1: The only reason the only reason I brought it up. And I know this is super, super specialized and narrow to guys hunting in, in Indiana, but it it gives us a bigger picture of the fact that that hunters need to be aware of what the law actually is. Not what it says, not what the game warden says, but what does the law say? And for me personally, I mean, I it's it's just like Write me the ticket. I dare you. I dare you to write me the ticket because I'm bringing this law to court with me, and I'm going to show it to the judge, and the judge and the prosecutor are going to look at this, and then they're going to look at the game warden, and they're going to say, Dude, we got child molesters and drug offenders and all this other stuff that needs time in this court, and you don't even know the law.
2: That's what I say to everybody that pulls me over and gives me a traffic ticket. I give them that whole big spiel. never worked, but I give it to Uh
1: them. Well, that's one of those things everybody's like, oh, don't you have some murderers out there you should be chasing? Yeah. But but it's incumbent on on us as hunters to know the law, and it's incumbent on professional law, enforcers, mm. law enforcement officers to know how to enforce them.
0: Well, and, and let me touch on that before we change the subject. When you have new officers, and I don't care what realm of law they're in, whether they're game wardens, police officers, deputies, whatever, like a lot of your new guys – it takes them a couple years to learn all that code. So, you know, they may, they may have, oh, well, we talked about this in the academy, and I know what it is. And in reality, they don't because they've not had to deal with it, like, in person. So, and with the new the influx of new officers coming into this field because of everybody retiring and the, 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 the way the, the climate has been, You've got a huge influx of new officers. So you're going to run into that more until they get, you know, some time under their belt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure.
0: So
1: welcome aboard, Josh Michaelis. Yeah. I don't even know what we were talking about. And I was still chiming in. (laughs) Yeah. That's not unusual.
2: No, it's not. I agree.
1: (laughs) The only reason, (laughs) the only reason you're here is because you piped up on the AMA deal. About knowing Chuck Norris and being invited to his house, and no knowing, knowing what he, you know, what kind of coon dog he would take. I'm just
2: saying that you know, if I dialed Chuck up right now, I think he would answer. That's all. Is that right? He was there. No, yeah. I don't cool. number. But I did meet him. <laughs> my mom. My mom was the extras casting director for Walker Texas Ranger. Really? Yes. And. Uh-huh. I spent summers down in Dallas and that's where I would, I would work some summers as a paid extra, you get like $75 a day and all you could eat. And so, yeah, we'd go down there and we'd hang out on set. And She was with the show for, I don't know, 10 or years probably.
1: I remember the show.
2: Yeah. yeah. No, I never watched it. I didn't watch the episodes. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah.
1: It was that episode where they were doing that feature on the special Olympics. And Josh was,
0: I was the Josh, security guard. Josh
1: was one of the athletes.
0: <laughs> to get you one of those total gems while you're there,
1: John. Yeah, I need to.
2: <laughs> I, I spent uh, all that time with him and never got roundhouse kicked to the face once. It's amazing. Right.
0: Just got to stay out of leg distance.
1: Well, That's Der- right. Derek and always comes up with these off the wall questions, and I love him because cause they're good questions and they're fun. But okay, so what would he check? His question was: Would Chuck Norris choose a blue tick or a Trium Walker? Oh, he'd choose a blue tick for sure yeah 100 you
2: you think so oh yeah yeah he don't know he don't do it easy
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh then we ought to introduce him to plots yeah holy cow if he really wants to do tough stuff the tough way wow oh man that's great that's great no uh you know, t- speaking of meeting famous people, I don't know. You, you know, you, you meet people like this, and everybody likes to talk about meeting famous people. I'm I met Franco Harris at in Cleveland one time. That's pretty cool. Um, man, that guy's hands were huge. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just a big dude, and then shook his hand, and I felt like a little bitty kid. I mean, it's just like uh. professional
2: athletes. are astounding. Yep. Physically, I mean, you just look at them and you're just like, "Oh, now I get it."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
2: know, you're like, oh, "I see now."
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're sitting there with a bear in your hand, watching the game. It's like, yeah I could have played football." The Houndsman XP Podcast Network is powered by Cajun Lights. All of your lighting needs for hunting can be taken care of at Cajun Lights. They have three models of cap lights. I'm gonna run through them real quick. You've got the Rogaroo which is their high-end light. If you're a competition hunter and you gotta find that coon up in a tree and it's all riding on finding that coon, you'll want the rogue on your head. Next is the Bayou. That's a pretty standard light, but it's got packed with features. It's got multiple colors, It's got walking lights. It's got the red, the green, the amber. It's all built in right into that light. And then you have one of my personal favorites, the Micro Gator. The Micro Gator is an ultra lightweight, Cap light. It's got all the features of a white light, red, green, and amber. I've used this light for everything from finding bear tracks early in the morning to coon hunting at night to working on plumbing in the house, changing tires on the side of the road. My truck doesn't leave the driveway without a Cajun light in it, and that light is the micro gator. Every Cajun light is durable, made from the highest quality components, and it is backed by Cajun's Operated customer service. Check out Cajun Lights. You can go to our website at houndsmanxp.com. Go to our sponsors page. Hit that link. It'll take you right to Cajun Lights. Check them out. They got a lot of stuff to offer over at Cajun Lights.
2: When I was down in Dallas, so I worked because I would work three days on set. I'd done this my junior and senior year of high school. And I was a good basketball player, but... I worked two days at a place called Nothing But Net Recreation Center, and it was ran by Vaughn McDade, who played in the NBA, short stint in the NBA with the New Jersey Net. And I didn't know this for a long time. But then they had a camp one day, and Orlando Blackman and John Stark came into his camp. We're mm-hmm. we were doing stuff, and we got to work, and we got to play a little bit with them. And I was getting ready to go in. And, you know, I'm getting into my senior year of high school and I'm a good player <clears> thinking, you know, I can, you know, I can play these guys, you know, it's, there's so many levels to that. I was just like watching Rolando. Rolando Blackman was a big guy and he would sit out there five, six, seven feet behind the three point line and just warm up and just splash, splash, splash. I was just yeah. automatic. And I thought, how does, that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) they were so big and so athletic, and I was just like, you know, this uh, is—they're just—they were amazing. Uh, You're in awe, even as a good—you know, not a good athlete, but an athlete from a small town. You know, you're still a five-nine white guy, no matter what they say. But uh, yeah, it it, it,
1: was—it's astounding. Professional athletes are amazing. So, have you ever met? Well, you have. Who's the Manning from Texas that was a professional basketball player? A guy, guy Manning. Yeah, real legend. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I read up on him. Yeah, read his background. He played. I mean, he was like a for real, for yeah. real yeah. NBA player. The guy's a big guy. He's, you know, he's such a well spoken
2: and and just a, if you ever want to sit down and visit with somebody for a long period of time, Guy Manning is the guy to do it with. Uh, he's just enjoyable to talk to, to be around. Yeah, uh, and a real, real houndsman.
1: Yeah. All right, let's let's click off some questions. So there's your there's your answer, Derek. Blue ticks all the way, buddy. Um, where were we at here? I've got a, I've got these on my phone like always. I'm gonna pick one. If you guys got to, Heath, doesn't have the questions because he's I driving. got them. What do you? Which ones did you answer before I got here? The only None. thing. None. we don't we dove into a question that we got in, got off the side there so pick one josh that you want uh, <clears throat> uh here's well,
0: the, the one for the independent josh that was for you
2: yeah uh it says that's chris Poole's question uh in competition q hunting why has there been such an emphasis on a dog being so independent to me being so independent can be a flaw have a dog skull the track grab a quick tree etc uh getting two second trees beats one deep and lonely first tree any night of the week um, yeah, that part is true, Chris, but if it was real easy, they'd have a couple seconds and go in there and do it and take all that money, uh, with dogs that are not independent, you're going to run into some trouble, uh, dogs that cover coons cover slicks too, uh, dogs that are not struck good. Uh, they need that tree points too. And so, yeah, there's, there's some dogs that can get around with being on the same track with a dog and and win big, but they're very rare. They are more rare than having old deep and lonely. And so there's a lot of misconceptions there because I can count on maybe one hand uh, the dogs in the circuit today that are actually deep and lonely type dogs that are just fly through the world. They're in there a mile every time they're, they're treed. You know, you think of Spice Girl or you think of Venus or you... Think of some dogs like that, but most of them are not like that. They tree coons around you. You know, they just go in a different direction. And, you know, it's not, it's way easier to get a dog to do that and have a dog consistently do that than it is to be the best track dog on, out of that given night and the quickest tree dog. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just easier. You know, if you got a dog that can get in the right area and hustle around and move in between trees he's got a better chance of winning than a dog. that's is a really good track and tree dog some night, you know, it's just, yeah, we cater to the rules and we train to the rules and we breed to the rules. And right now the rules are going to dictate that you need an independent dog, but it's changing. I've seen dogs getting together more, especially out of the pickup. Uh, we want, that's
1: them. yeah. That's one place.
2: Yeah. We want them, especially in pro sport where you're walking to every single tree and dogs, you know, there's no leash lock. There's no nothing. You want to be the first or second dog tree. You yeah. don't matter if you're by yourself or not. You want to get those points on the board and get recut before you score that third tree. That is so important in that event. And so, yeah, it's it's coming back around. And, yeah, I, I, would, I would love to have a dog that was just in the pack and was first and first all the time but those aren't easy, those, <laughs> No kidding. especially a dog that's going to back. A little, he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to back a dog that is tapping a tree and going to pack his stuff and leave. He's going to, he's going to back a slick, just like he will a coon. Dogs that only cover coons are more rare than just about anything out
1: there. Yeah. Cause they'll cover, right? they'll cover a possum. They'll cover whatever. They'll cover anything. You know, yeah. a dog,
2: a dog that's a born, born to cover is just going to cover whatever's tree. Mm-hmm. Heath.
0: So I have a question and then that'll lead us to that second question. So Josh, and I, and I don't know this cause I, I, so I'm asking a serious question. Like, are you in like, up,
1: break, breaking up. On are us. you
0: seeing more in? Ah, can you hear me? <laughs> I got you now. Can you hear me?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, okay.
0: So in a competition world. Uh-huh. And in the pups that you guys are buying or breeding or whatever, are those dogs coming out independent from the get go or is that something that you are training into them?
2: It's a little bit of both. Uh there are there are some natural independence and you can see that in a five, six, seven month old pup when it's first getting out with the old dogs. If they're mm-hmm. you're watching that garment and they're glued to that dog, they don't have it. I don't care if they're four months old or they're nine months old or they're two years old if they're glued to the dog that you know is doing the work if you're watching them and they're no more than 10 yards apart the whole time they just ain't got it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that pup that you turn loose and it follows that old dog for a little while and it gets sidetracked and it's over here the old dog gets treated maybe that pup so it don't have to be far 50 100 200 yards well that dog's got it okay that dog's got a little bit of an independent nature so then all we do is take that pup, and we never, ever, under any circumstances, reward that dog for being with another dog, right. ever. Uh, right. I don't care if it's six months old and it's first and first with the old dog right behind it. I'm not giving it that coon. because it's with another dog. I'm not going to get onto it. I'm not going to reprimand the dog for anything, but it's not going to get rewarded at all its entire life until it is by itself with a coon. That's when it's get. That's when it gets the reward, and then eventually the rest of it just works itself out.
1: I I see a lot more so of it. I was it's, thinking about it's more common than than. I see a lot more.
2: You know, yes, if, if, the, the genetic aspect of of independent dogs has really been a lot more
1: prevalent in the last eight to ten years. I'm hunting a pup right now off a of jazz and crash. Um, he's a half brother to Big Country, and um, the other night. Turn jazz loose, turn him loose. He was on the other side of the woods doing his own thing. Ran a track, loaded up a tree, and he didn't stick it. Yeah. But she was over here working a track, and he didn't care. He already had his thing going, and he was doing his thing. So,
2: what a yeah. lot of people don't understand is how easy that is. Whatever natural independence a pup has is so easy to take out. It's a piece of cake. I mean, you yeah. just. You, you you take that pup that's doing what he was doing, you snap him up, you lead him into Jazz's tree, you get him all fired up, you let him chew on that coon, he's going to follow Jazz around. He knows right. that's where his reward is. It's not hard to take it out of him. And these dogs are so smart anymore that one or two instances where they get rewarded for, for doing nothing, for, for just following the old dog around, and they get set back a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a long time to get that out. It's way easier to put... Uh, or to take the independence out of them than it is to put it in them. He's got something. Go ahead. Ian. Well,
0: yeah, you're, you're, you're operant conditioning. You're you're taking something away. You're using one of the quadrants to do the training. But what and, and, and why it's so easy for them to go back, because genetically programmed, dogs are pack animals. Oh, yeah. And, and they hunt as a pack. And that's why I asked that question, because if that's the case, just like us domesticating the wolf, that genetic code. The more those dogs are independent, you should start seeing over. And we may not see it in our lifetime, but there would come a day that you're you're basically breeding, you're raising independent dogs from the get go because this is the genetic, this is the genetics that you are catering or I don't want to use the word cater, but you are tweaking to meet your needs, just like we did originally with with the wolf, correct?
2: Correct. And it, it's a yeah. fine line um, mm-hmm. because yes, there are a lot of naturally independent pups more now than we're breeding natural mm-hmm. independence, you know, but also yeah. those pups come with their own set of challenges because they're usually quirky. Uh, they're weird. Uh, they're, there's, they're not social like con for instance, I can't even get him to breed a female, you know, he mm-hmm. won't, he don't, he don't care. He don't want to be around them. He don't want to be around any dogs. He don't want to be around nothing. And, so- when those dogs get covered that's a problem because they're mm. gonna fight or they're gonna run <laughs>
1: yeah and if he yeah. and if you told, told him if you've worked on him enough that he's not allowed to run right then he's gonna stay there no matter what yeah and he con's gonna fight con's been con's
2: been tree aggressive since he was like nine or ten months old
1: see I don't get that why did why wouldn't he call? why didn't you just there was a day Josh when mm. we called that crap because we don't that, care
2: we we actually like it.
1: I have a problem with that man. I, I I that goes against that goes against every fiber of breeding coon dogs for as long as I've been in the sport. You know the main that's, ones. I main agree. Ones were Good
2: point. But that's also like saying you know you've got these these guys out here that are pleasure hunting that never see a competition coon <laughs> hunt. And you take their dog and you cut it into a dog treat, and it goes straight in there and trees with it blind. That goes <laughs> against everything, too, to me, you know. But that's their game. That's their game. That's how they want it. More but, power to them. Good for them. Go but ahead. But if you
1: took if you took Con out and you won the world championship with Con, uh, you think Con would be the only mean dog that won a world championship? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you admit it, okay? You've admitted it. But you go yeah. out there and you breed, and now now people are going to start blowing, you know, you and Finley up to breed their females to come, breed to calm, breed to calm. So is that a genetic trait, or is that something that that was that something you saw early on in him? Alpha males that you encourage independence
2: on are going to be mean. Naturally independent alpha males, they're going to be rough. And these dogs that are in these hunts now, I'm going to say a good majority of those dogs are rough. But here's the thing. They get tree-possessive. They get very, very tree-possessive. That's 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 the that's why they're rough. We understand that. Uh, you turn a dog loose with Con right now, a kennel mate, a puppy, he's fine. Never, never throw an off-bark, never throw his head at him, nothing. I've trained a lot. I've trained just – Con's eight years old now. I've trained a ton of pups with him. Mm-hmm. But you turn Con loose by himself, let him get treed, let him sit there for about ten minutes, and then cut that same dog into him, you're
1: going to have problems. He's tree-possessive. Most of them are. Are you using Onyx maps while you're out running your hounds? I know I do. There are all kinds of features within Onyx in that app that allows me to mark den trees. It allows me to mark terrain features. It keeps me from floating my hat on those deep stream crossings so I can mark those shallow places where I can cross streams. I use it all the time, whether I'm east or west. In the east, property is chopped up into smaller chunks. And when a dog gets through the country, I can actually look on OnX, dial it in, see who owns that property, and plan my route in and out of there to retrieve my hound. When I'm hunting in the west, same thing. All the terrain features are included on OnX maps, and I can plan my route. I don't always have a choice of where my hounds end up but I can always depend on Onyx to get me in and out of there as quickly and as easily as possible. You can save 20% on your next purchase at Onyx when you go to onyxmaps.com and at checkout, you enter the code HXP20, you will get 20% off of your next subscription. When you go to houndsmanxp.com, click on the sponsor tab and join us on Patreon, you will receive a code to get 30% off of your next subscription of X. Know where you stand with X.
0: But how do y'all, like, and I have a competition done in mm-hmm. 20 years, so I'm out of it. But how does that not, how do they not, because they are always by themselves, they don't get in fights and don't have scratches, or how do you keep from that happening? And I guess what I'm asking.
2: Con's never even been. Getting the um, yeah, Con's never and, even. You know you what know I'm point. saying? Yeah. Con's never even been put Mm. in the morning. Not once. Never been scratched. Never not. But I've never, I bet you I've only seen, uh, at Super Stakes one year, he had all four dogs on the same tree, but it was just a scolding hot coon out of the truck, and he don't do nothing then. He may blow a little bit or something, but he don't lay a tooth in nothing then.
1: Yeah. And
2: at the level that we're hunting at, dogs don't come into it Ever. Very rarely. And if they do and Con turns around and slings his head and tells him to get the F out of there, they really don't want to be there that bad anyway. It doesn't take a whole lot of encouragement for her to leave, and the handler that's hunting that dog understands the same thing. If Con went into his dog, he'd get the same thing. But that's also why Con's not going to be at a local UKC hunt, because I know he's rough. I'm not going to take him over there where some little kid's going to get his dog chewed up or something like that. You know, just know your dog keep it in the position where he needs to be. And you're going to be just
1: fine. Hmm.
0: Well, Josh, I think you're saying out loud what a lot of people think and know, but they don't say it.
1: I, I, I agree with
0: that. I I mean, I think because even when I, like when I first started PKC way back, it has changed completely. Um, you know, there was a couple guys here that if your dog covered their dog, there was going to be problems. Yeah. Like that's just the
1: way it was. Um, So,
0: and that was 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, and we all came back back to the clubhouse and said, That sucker's rough. He's mean. He shouldn't be out (laughs) there. Somebody, he should have called that dog.
2: If Con Con went and covered dogs and fought, he would never see a cat. Ever. Never. I would never, I would not hunt. Now, Dollar did sometimes, and Dollar was getting ready to be retired right whenever he got sick and passed away. Uh, he would cover and fight a little bit. So he was getting ready to Yeah, done. Yeah. Uh,
0: you um, know,
2: they go, when you put them under that <laughs> pressure and you're hauling them up and down the road, they go one way or the other, they're going to fight or they're going to run.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us to start that next question. Somebody asked the question about, would you rather have them slick treat or with a possum?
1: I would do no, no No, no, no. There's, there's a, there's one before that. There's uh-huh. one that ties that bounces right off of this. And then we'll get to that. One. Okay. Uh, Chris, Christopher Workman asked, is the future of competition hunting going to resort back to pack style hounds due to oh, yeah. decrease yeah, yeah, yeah. in available hunting ground? I thought that was an interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I don't see the pack style hound coming back. I think you can have, depending on where you're hunting. Um, I, I think it's applicable right now with the style of dog we're hunting right now. Depending on where you're hunting, if you're hunting in, you know, Greenville, Tennessee and Appalachia and you get turned loose in the mountains, you know, you, you need to, you need to score on every coon you can. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, but in most of the places where the bigger hunts are held, the raccoon population is so good <laughs> that even on smaller ground, they have an opportunity to be split treed. Yeah. And I'm going to mute myself and you guys take it. No, I think That's that you uh, Josh, I don't have a <laughs>
2: they're they're actually coming back a little bit more uh you're seeing dogs get together a little bit more and a lot of it is because of the rule set in pro sport when and ukc for instance where there's no leash lock um these dogs can get together and we want the first dog to get treed you know or be treed first or second that's that's your best opportunity yeah. the cast is get them points out of the truck recut from there and you're seeing guys that the dogs will The the dogs will back a little bit and it's getting better. And I don't think it has anything to do with available hunting, uh, conditions or or property or anything like that for as long as there's been competition coon hounds, guys have bred and trained towards the rule set and they're going to just keep Mm -hmm. doing that. the minute the rule set makes it to where a covering dog or a pack style dog is going to win more. That's going to be what these guys pack. They don't care what they're doing. They want to win.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I, I've been out of that world. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you if you asked. So I, that's, <clears throat> that. I just don't want a dog. Even back then, I had a walker dog. It was out of Sackett. Well, even Steve Fielder's roper dog that I hunted for him, mm-hmm. that dog didn't come back. When you turn him loose in them mountains where I hunt, you better, you had to go get him off a tree and it was rough. Like, yeah. Some nights was not pleasurable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for where I hunt, you know, the dogs did, they did, you would have a dog that get off every once in a while and get treated by itself, but like I so said, that's been 20 years ago. I have no, I haven't been in a hunt or I don't know anything about them nowadays. So No,
2: no it's, uh, <clears throat> where you're hunting dictates a lot, what you're hunting dictates a lot. Um, you hear guys that are, Oh, I wouldn't have that dog or that dog <clears throat> all the time or that dog does this or does that. And that's fine. You know, we just got to understand where we fit in all this, and then tailor tailor our hounds or breed our hounds. Yeah. To what fits, what we want to do. That's yeah. all there is to it. Just because the guy down the street wants to turn loose four red bones and have them all <clears> on tree and tree one or two, that's fine. I that guy's yeah. having a great time. That's fine with me. You know, yeah. that's not my style of dog, but that's his style of dog. And if that's what he likes, that's what he likes. Yeah. Just like I so like that, I just like I like mine to gut one that covers you.
1: Oh
0: geez. <laughs> there you go. Name your your next one's gotta be named Hacksaw. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah. You think about it though, you look at look at the top race horses, you know, some of those old pictures <clears throat> they're running down the track and the horse is right beside him, shouldering them. Yeah. They're yeah. reaching over there and biting him in the face, you know. No, mm-hmm. that's the that old picture, just hanging just a picture on. here a while back of a horse biting. Did you put that up, pal? I might have, I don't remember. I don't know. I seen it. It put a horse the horse. llama. It was a llama.
2: Well, that might the have been. Cat? He probably right a llama in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I see those horses biting another horse. I'm like, that's the horse I'd yeah, <laughs> yeah. ride. <horse>. no doubt. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. So that right. goes
0: to the the possum or the slick. I know yeah.
2: how I feel. I would rather have a
0: slick, I hate a possum, yeah, but the thing about for me i, I of course a, i I want a meat dog to start with, yep. I don't care what it trees. but if you have a possum, you know your dog is on the is on odor, like yep. there's no question that he's treeing odor with a slick and you can't confirm it, it's always a guess,
2: yeah. I I want to just and it, this may be just a pipe dream. <clears throat> I always want to think my dog was trying to
1: tree a coon.
0: Yeah,
1: you know well, what I yeah, mean. Yeah, I
0: mean, well, that's we the, all have that. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. here's the
1: thing though, Heath. If you turn loose at your dad's house and you got to climb the north face to get up there, and you get there, and it's a possum tree, I know you're going to be mad. Been there, done that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and you weren't happy about it, were
0: you? Oh no, my blood pressure probably. <laughs> Spike the 200 been there done that but yep. uh, now you know looking at reality like for me i can fix the possum thing like i can i can i can break my dog i can deter him change his behavior but for the slick tree when you're you always in the back of your mind you know you're trying to sort out okay did the coon limb out did no. did he tree a squirrel did he just fall tree because it got too hard there's always that second guess for me
2: it's always so the possum
0: anytime, I can control.
2: Anytime there's yeah. a stick, there is, why this dog do this? And we never know. Now, there's, yes, there's right. straight up and down going across the creek or something like that. You get that. Yeah. But, you know, if it's a good tree or a small tree or a tiny tree, I've seen dogs tree on trees that they could have just stood on and bent over. Well, and I good, think that's good, accurate dogs, too, that normally have mm-hmm. just tree on nothing.
1: Again, and, uh, again, here's up. something that can go into, you know, and Heath can talk about this but it's a lot of that slick tree and stuff i've i've never seen a young dog that wanted to lie to you that just uh, they wanted to dogs they the wanted to the be r- you know
2: when they first start tree and coon. that's when they're you know, most accurate on the planet
1: guy, guys will as soon as that dog barks up then they go running through the woods <laughs> like last of the mohicans to oh, get yeah. in there and they leash him up and they're excited and i don't care if you pet that dog or not that dog can read your body language better than you ever thought about it. Now you they can feel your adrenaline. They can feel your pheromones. They they know that and they're going to, they're going to key off of it. So they learn to be like that. And if you back up and you start blowing squalors and shaking vines and feeding into that, they've already shown you that they've got the natural instinct to tree and you go in there and you start acting a fool you're going to, you're going to reinforce that behavior without ever saying good boy or petting that dog. I just did that the other night. I do it all
0: the time. Your voice inflection alone, just like you just did, Chris. You you went, I just, I do it. Your voice inflection tells the dog how your mood is. Yeah. So absolutely. And you know, if people would just, um, and I tell my detection guys this, so I can kind of bridge this here. Like if I reward my dog on, um, let's say we're doing proofing, which means I'm trying to get my dog off an odor that is attached to the scent pitcher. So I'll use magic marker. Magic marker is on every evidence bag that we put into evidence. So when I hide dope, I hide, it's in a, it's in an evidence bag with magic marker on it. So that, that becomes part of the scent pitcher.
2: That sounds. So like if I put out magic <laughs> I? <laughs> that sounds like a terrible place to hide your dough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if um
0: if you reward the dog on the magic marker alone and the other odor is not attached to it, I tell my guys like, okay, you made a mistake. It's no big deal. It's going to take you numerous sessions to get that dog to award, reward, reward on that odor and that odor alone every time. So back to the slick turkey, like one time or two is probably not going to be detrimental to your training but if you continue that process over and over you create a monster and i think any logical town trainer knows that
2: yeah no nope, i agree <clears throat> but i did it's when you get in the heat of the moment like powell said angel a month ago angel treated her first coon uh she was seven months old on the day and <clears throat> uh she was 400 yards past Hazel. House- <clears throat> who was still running and just dies on this tree. First tree she's ever made that wasn't a hang up or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I like to run her over with that side-by-side. I was hunting out of the ranger and she was <laughs> in cornfield. And I come slopping <clears throat> in there hot like Smokey and the Bandit. And I jump out and like to tackle that pup. Of course, she's got it in a little bush. What she was doing was she was just running an edge, trip over this coon, ambush it, free it. And I, I, I like to just... She could tell she was pumped up by the time we were tied back. And so what I did is I sat there and I let her tree tied up, never said a word, never nothing. And it took her about 45 seconds to a minute of being tied up, but she's been leashed at trees. You know, she's been at old dogs trees and I've had her leashed a lot of times. And, you know, even them pups, we'll knock the coon down. We'll let him, we'll let the old dog chew on it. And that pup don't get it. You know, they (coughs) they don't get a mess with it. None. And we'll just move them on to another spot. But uh, she was tied back. She'd sat there for maybe a minute, minute and a half, and then she started treeing again. And so I just sat there calmly in my side-by-side, never said a word, let her tree for about four or five minutes before, you know, I went in there and pet her up and stuff. So it's easy to do. When those young dogs tree a coon through there the first time, there's nothing better than that. And I've won big hunts and I've done all this stuff. But when something you raise does what it's supposed to do the first time, you're pretty pumped up.
1: You better believe it. Yep, you are. And I know, I know the dog can pick up on it, but I can't stop it. So, (laughs) (laughs) but but it still comes back to the fact, you know, the first time it happens, just like you're you're describing, it's expected. But the second time it happens, and they're in there and they're starting to, they're trying to. I'll I'll give you a perfect example: was when I was breaking, when I was training Mongo. Mongo was always that independent type dog, and he'd always be off doing his thing and he would locate and I would sit there and I'd be like, Oh, he's going to do it. He's this, this is it. He's going to do it. He's going to, he's going to slam it right here. Instinctually. I wanted to run in there and help him out. Whereas if it goes back to, uh, that, that podcast that you did with the guy from South Africa, Heath about letting the dogs fail, you know, So my first instinct is to run Mm -hmm. in there and help him out. When the best thing that I could have done was sit back there and let him work the problem himself and self self reward on that deal. And, and it's just a natural thing. So you just gotta be, you just gotta be calm. You gotta be patient, you know, when, when you start getting down the road with the pups for me to answer this question directly. When I when I look at a dog that's that's slick treeing a lot, I think a lot of that be, comes from I look at myself and think, okay, what have I done to do what have I done to cause this? Yeah. You no, know, that's not that's I, talk, the, yeah. I don't think
2: slick tree and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Some dogs are genetically more wired to tree. We know the strains, mm-hmm. we know the lines, we know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But true slicks and a true a true slick tree and problem where they are just absolute wood monsters is all <clears throat> One hundred percent of the time, in my opinion, a handler issue.
1: Yep.
0: Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: It is a training it's a training issue. Correct. Can you train a dog yes. to hit can you Heath, you've done this. We've <clears throat> seen it in canine work. False, false positives, false when when dogs just alert, you know, false alert in certain spots it, on a car. Where the handler talks them into it, and then they reward them. And I know you've seen it because I've seen it. I've worked a lot of
0: dogs out, but yes, and it's yeah. all handler induced. Yeah, it's all handler induced, and yes, and it's 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 on the handler. It's absolutely on the handler. The handler is cueing the dog for that behavior, whether it be. He's hiding the, the, the odor in the same place, and the dog knows that when I get to the gas cap, oh, there's the odor, so I'm going to pop a squat. It's all handler-induced. So, yep. Josh, you're 100% on that. That's a problem.
2: Yep. And we've also, so- <clears throat> I mean, you take a dog that's wired to tree, and I like a dog that is a natural tree dog. Uh, I, That's that's what I prefer. I want a dog that's going to get tree. Early in its early in its life, and and be more apt to tree because those dogs are more apt to be quicker to get treed, which is important in the competition side of it. Uh, they're more apt to not check, and I don't need a dog to check every single tree to make sure it's all right. A slick every now and then to me is okay, uh, but also you don't want it to be a problem, and we've all seen that in certain lines. And we take those lines, and I'm I'm not throwing it because these are lines I'm fan of. You know, you look at Naylor and Rat Attack, and uh, some of the other dogs that that threw tree dogs. Bone Collector was another one that threw mm-hmm. tree dogs. And these guys get this five and a half month old pup that's treeing squirrels in the yard, or finally is looking to get treed, and they just encourage that so much at a young age. Mm-hmm. They don't care that the dog has got anything; it's just treeing and treeing. <clears throat> treeing's good. And they encourage it, and the dog turns the tree into its own reward. Yeah. Yep. They self-reward. That's exactly right.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that whole podcast we did on mm-hmm. uh, Slick Tree. Yep. Yep. And, you know,
2: because when Con's a, a tree-minded dog, Hazel's a tree-minded dog, when a tree-minded dog that is wants to get wooded runs into trouble, their default is the fall tree. Yes. When they, uh, yeah. they're when they're confused and they're frustrated, their default is to paltry. When you look at some yep. of these wipeout dogs or some of the other breeds and strains or whatever, you know, their default is to just pound it out and work it out. The track is the reward, and those dogs you want to strangle because they won't get treated enough.
1: <laughs> and so it's six and one half, and does the other. I like. Yeah, and to- I don't. I don't even mm-hmm. think it's just you can just put it in a box of competition. What guys are looking for in competition? I haven't. I haven't entered a competition hunt. Yeah. For a long time, and standing out there and listening to a dog beat and bang around, and and I think I'll get treated. No, I'm not gonna get. I think I'm gonna get treated. No, I'm not. That no. just drives me up the wall. It's like I'm, you either I've do it or you don't. right now. I got Brandy and
2: Hazel. Hazel makes a loss, she's treating Brandy makes a loss. You're gonna get in there. You're gonna get her off that track and move her. Yeah. You know that's yep. just they're two different style of dogs genetically. Uh, training-wise, whole works. And well, I, like, prefer, I prefer Hazel. I prefer a dog that's going to that, take a chance and get tree.
1: It's like my old buddy Jerry Mull always says about slick tree and dogs. He's like, it's a lot easier to take tree out of a dog than it is to put it in them. Yeah, put it in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, some, but, some but you got to think about like it. They,
2: were, they don't remember the old days when they were three years <laughs> old and made their first tree. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. were happy about it. <laughs> but, you know,
0: even in the big game world, like, we have, like, our dog slick tree sometimes. There's no perfect dog. I mean, has he a dog with a hundred
1: He's going through a tunnel, ain't he? Uh, something. His screen blacked out. <laughs> yeah, his screen blacked well, out. And, and well, he's, he's cutting out on his well, real it's bad. Dark. I, it's dark. He's still telling him. It's
0: somebody. dark. <laughs> I say even in the big world... So, our dogs sleep sometimes, and you ask
1: yourself, How do you slip on a bear? Like, yeah, <laughs> heath, I got to mute you, buddy. You're cutting I out did, on us. I know I what you're did, I know I what, get what that you're saying. I hide to slick tree on a bear. Yeah, I'm, made it out. I'm
2: gonna need it. finish that because I've asked myself that too,
1: and I've seen that <laughs> myself <laughs> with my own dogs. You know, Jazz slick treed. Walking down through there and she's treed on a on a 10-inch walnut tree that doesn't have a coon that doesn't have a bear or a coon in it. And not even a good excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the one thing. And that is, he's got a point. That is the
2: one thing that possums have over slicks, is at least you know why that don't
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Slicks you just don't know. I like the old I like the old wind detection. I I like carrying in the old wind detection bow hunter trick you know the little the have little you ever seen those little puffy ball you know puffy bottles you squeeze yeah. them if you look if you pay attention a dog that misses like that you you take out and you do a wind check if you start looking upwind from where they're at a lot of times you can either find a dentry tree or you can find a coon sitting where yeah. they just they just missed it you know and that's if it's something that's uncommon if you have if you don't know if you're if you're just like you know, last fifty trees I walked to, I saw a coon. Why is this dog missed on this tree? If you start looking up wind, a lot of times it just got to a point where they're they just made a mistake. They just they just missed. That goes back into the style of dog too, because you look at Duds, may he rest in
2: peace. Um he was a trailing type dog that always had a coon. And when Duds treat in a mailbox, he opened it. You know, it was yep. it was one of them deals where if he treat on a little sapling, I was just astounded. And I would look and look and look. Missy, it was another female we had way back in the day, in the early two thousands, late nineties. That when she treated, I remember when she treated Slick one time, and I called my brother thinking she was sick.
1: <laughs>
2: like there's something wrong with this dog. I'm like, I looked at this tree for like an hour. There ain't nothing in it, you know. And so, but then you get a dog like Con or Hazel or some of these dogs that take chances or they're layup style dogs that can lay a coon up. They're gonna miss some, mm-hmm. you know. And it is what it is. And with Con. You know, I'd glance. I've I've probably kicked him in the hind end off some coons, a lot of coons actually. Yeah. yeah, because I don't look at his trees as hard because I know what kind of style of dog he is. You know, right. he's going to take mm-hmm. some chances.
1: Heath, you got good coverage now. You were saying something about slick trained dogs. I kind of yeah. covered for you. Yes, yeah, so I want
2: I wanted you to finish your bear deal. Oh, you I always wondered that myself. How does a dog slick on a bear? <clears throat> yeah,
0: like yeah, I, I don't know what y'all heard, but. That's what I'm saying. I said, you know, even our dogs, we, we come up short, and it's not often, but it happens. Like, your dogs pull up, you walk, pull the mountain, and they're in a slick tree. And you're like, how do you slick tree on a bike? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it happens. Dogs are not perfect. We, we don't know what like, works. We don't know what's going through the dog's mind. So, I mean, it
1: happens to all dogs. It's not yeah. just coon dogs. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we need to move on. Uh, we got a lot of good right. participation this month. I want to make sure that we we cover the cover these. So, and this this one shouldn't take long. It says another question. This came from Caleb Roach. Would you rather have a jack of all trades style dogs or a specialist? If you could only <laughs> have one dog. And this is going to be interesting because we got a lot of, we got different, different interests here.
2: I'll go first. I know I see Heath was backing up. I don't know if he's got a trailer on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm good. I just pulled into the house.
2: (laughs) There you go. But I'll go first. And that is situational. Do I want to have fun? If I want to have fun, I want a jack of all trades. There's no pressure. That dog has a little more leeway. Uh, that dog, which I've got one, Jason's squirrel dog over there that we'll take out, you know, a few times a year. That he trees a coon, a possum, skunk, catches a rabbit, squirrels. I don't care.
1: We have, but a it says, time. but it says one dog. You can only have one, Josh. And I know what you want. I got, I got to have a specialist. Yep. I got to have a
2: specialist. And I don't care if it's a retriever, if it's a, english setter if it's a squirrel dog or if it's a coon dog or if it's a bear dog to me a specialist means that you trained something into that dog that is not natural that's hard to do it's difficult and the challenge is what has always intrigued me it's that's that's the thing uh pure competition dogs enthuse me more than anything else on this planet I don't I don't care what kind of competition it is. That's why I'm so scared to get into other styles of dogs because I know what I would do. I, mean, I don't want my picture taken no matter what kind of dog I'm hunting. Uh that's so your
1: narcissist is basically. I am a little bit,
2: yes. <laughs> and it's not that I want the recognition. We knew
1: that, that is that I want the challenge. Yeah.
2: There's nothing more challenging than to make a dog that's perfect, which is impossible. Well,
1: then you ought to be hunting, oh, trying to hunt plots in PKC or Pro Sport. If you like the well, challenge, I also, I also like to win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just I look at these guys that train these dogs, and there's some great ones, way better than me, that are consistent winners and that are good talent <clears throat> and that are good dog men. And I just think you know that is. And then you get, and I got a lot of friends that are that are multi-purpose style dogs. William Newby is one of them that I talk to all the time that just loves uh, draw tars and German wire hairs that will make that may kill a fox one minute and then point a covey of quail the next. You know, but they're not really that great at either of them.
1: That's what you run into. Yeah, they're just
2: mediocre at everything.
1: (laughs) I want greatness. Uh, Mediocre dogs don't enthuse me as much. I've been down this road and I'm living it right now, man. I, you know, I've got dogs that I can catch hogs with in Louisiana, but they're not great at it. I've got dogs that I can catch bears with in Virginia, but they're not great at it. I've got dogs that I can tree coons with in Indiana, but they're not great at it. So I'm at this point in my life, you know, I thought, yeah, I'm gonna have a jack of all trades type dog and this is going to be fun. It's going to be cool. But and it is fun and it is cool because I run around like I'm headed to New Mexico next week and we're gonna run them on lions and they'll take a track and they'll 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 do it. I know they will. But I like having dogs that are good at what they're doing. Yeah. And that is a hard, hard thing when you're dealing with a jack of all trades. Yeah. You know I've never seen a jack of all trades
2: that was really good at something.
1: Yeah. Good dogs, great dogs, cool
2: dogs but never really, truly great at one thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more of a personal, you know, what, what do you want? Yeah. Do you want it? Do you want to be able, like they totally fulfill, they totally fulfill my adventure spirit to be able to go and watch him, watch him be involved and be a part of the hunt, train them out, lion trina bear trina hog trina coon in indiana you know if that's what you're looking for and that's what that's what trips your trigger that's great i it does bother me though that i don't like having a mediocre dog or one that just gets you know is participating i want one i want dogs that that are getting in there and getting after it
2: yeah when i get invitation to bear hunt or lion hunt and every now and then they because they know that they know that I'm a houndsman, they'll say, you know, bring a dog, bring a dog, bring a dog. And that all sounds great, but I want my dog to be the best one up there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. know
2: it's not. We we I mean, we could take a, a young dog up and go bear hunting with our buddies in Wisconsin or something like that. And they may get in the mix and they may do some good things and some, but they're not gonna be the best one there. See, I wouldn't go though. I wouldn't go if I didn't have a dog no. in the
1: hunt. Yeah, I, and that that's, that's takes the, so much that, out of it. Yes, of
2: form. that is the problem with uh, having a specialist is that when I go bear hunting or now when I, because I, I want a competition with <laughs> coon hunt and I want to focus on the coon hounds. When I go waterfowl hunting, I don't have my retriever there. Uh, when I go bird hunting now, I don't have my setters there anymore. When I go rabbit hunting with Lance Wilson and Irvin Taff over here, I don't have my beagles. I'm and okay with hard. that. Yeah, it's hard. I don't like it. Yeah, uh, because I know that if I was hunting with Lance and Irvin, and they were, they got world-class beagles, I would want a world-class beagle that was better than theirs. And I know I can't have it. And so now that also prevents me from going and experiencing things with dogs that I should enjoy. And it takes a lot of the enjoyment out of it.
1: Yeah. Heath, Jack of all trades or a specialist? Uh, well, Right now, my I want a
0: specialist. Like, yeah. I want the best dog possible. But if if I was back and having to use my dogs to supply food and stuff, I would want a jack of all trades. But specialist, yeah. I want the best. Like, and I've said this to my guys a lot. Like, when my dog opens, I want to know that it's a bear. Like when he trees, I want to know it's a bear. I don't want any other option.
1: So it has to be a specialist. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it just goes back to you know what, you, what you want out of hunting and and what you're you're trying to accomplish. You know, I was on, mm-hmm. kind of, I've been kind of on a mission to, to have a pack of dogs that I could go anywhere and do anything. If I'm not totally embarrassed, I'm okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and and I've had I've had some great ones in in coonhounds and things like that and. Yeah. I, I'm, well, I I'm had a guy. I'm just, a jack of all trades.
0: What's that? I had a guy ask me today. I just had a guy ask me today if I cat hunted my dogs. And I'm like, uh, no. I'm like, if I was going to cat hunt, I would have me specific dogs to cat That's hunt. Cat. I wouldn't mix. Right. Um, because, like, when I walk up the mountain or I, you know, I take a hunt, like, I want to know. And even though my dogs have treated cats on accident in the past, um, if I was going to, if I was going to, Cat hunt, I want cat dogs. If I'm going
2: to bear hunt, I want bear dogs. So, so specialist. Yeah. It does limit our, because, uh, you know, just like when I went bear hunting Wisconsin, or if I go run hogs down in Texas, <clears throat> if I go with these foxhound guys and, and chase coyotes, you know, with Colt Baldwin or somebody like that up in Northwest Iowa i uh, it's cool i'm excited i'm excited to leave man i load the truck up and i'm like this is gonna be fun i'm gonna see these guys dogs work you know and i'm an hour into it and i'm just like i wish i had one of these dogs (laughs) i wish i I was turning something loose because this is not that fun you know and i don't want to i don't want to break those guys hearts that give me these invitations and stuff you know because i want to see their dogs work and i appreciate their dogs but you don't you can't really truly enjoy yourself at, at something like that unless you have a dog or I can't right.
1: unless you have a dog that's doing well that's because we're that dog day. we're dog we're dog men exactly you right. know you can you yeah. can take your brother-in-law that doesn't have any affinity you know he's got no admiration for the dog or anything he's just out there to hunt and have a good time and get yeah. out of the house yeah. that's a totally different thing but when you're when you're a dog man, Going and watching somebody else's dogs work and you not having a dog in it. I mean, I get to do that a lot and I enjoy it, but I'm not just sold out, fired up. You know, when I went down and hunted with Shannon Raska, I saw some amazing dog work down in Texas chasing coyotes. The whole time I wanted to turn my Yog Terrier loose, you know, and and get him in there. And especially Mm -hmm. you can't mash the enthusiasm
2: of the owners that you're hunting with. No. And no. they, they are so excited and they're wound up because they've got good dogs and they've got specialists that are good at what they're doing. Yeah. And they want you to be as excited as you, as they are. And that's impossible. You know, just like some, some kid that comes over and, and hunts with me and he's just a pleasure hunter and I'm excited because this dog's doing that. They, they're not going to be as happy as I am. And it's going to take some of the level of enjoyment out of it.
1: Yep. Yep. All right. I, we got to move on. We got to wrap this thing up. I can't leave my buddy Doug Boykin out. He's been a guest on the podcast. He's just a hoot. Uh, all right, so this is what what Doug says. His he goes by Carl. He goes by Carl on Facebook. I don't know if we're allowed to say this or not. I think he's actually in the witness protect the Facebook witness protection program. <laughs> he's been in Facebook jail so many times that he had to change his his profile. But uh, all right, so we accidentally accidentally had a fight. Fine- we accidentally had a fine-bred competition coon dog breed one of our young and promising females. He's a, he's a lion hunter. Yeah. We did not like the way the coon dog performed as far as cat hunting goes because he was trained to be a one-on-one competition coon dog and didn't want to trail with our pack. We sent him back to his owner, who is well-known in the competition coon hunting world. My question is this. Does that mentality carry on to the pups, or with a different kind of training, will the pups have what it takes to make the grade in our world of cat hunting? Heath, that's a training question, man. That's a genetic training question. Uh, that's a, that's a complicated question. I, I it, it sounds complicated. I don't think it it's that complicated. Heath, what do you think? I think
0: you, I think you answered it. It's training. Like there'll, there'll be dogs in that, in that litter that will suit his needs. Um, and he may have to do a little bit more testing as their puppies, but, uh, you can train that in the dog. I don't, I don't think that, I don't think I would worry about it one bit. And again, he's got to think about this too. You're not getting that dog, you're getting the 50,000 different molecules and, and genetics that go into that dog. So, um,
2: he may be surprised with what he gets.
1: Josh, you that's in? what
2: I think. I think that uh, <clears throat> we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Independence is a natural trait, but it's also so easy to train out. Like mm-hmm. he said, yeah. that's a training issue. Yeah. Uh, get the dog, keep the dog in a pack as a baby. You're raising these puppies, so it shouldn't be a problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we start encouraging independence when they're old enough to walk. You know, so just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, encourage being in a pack do that throughout the, the life of the puppy until they're ready to get started and you're going to be just fine and plus yep. you'll have that competition coon hunting talent in your <laughs> big pack.
1: wow yeah it, just <laughs> hopefully they don't tree with anything have <laughs> a freaking UFC fight under the tree but other than that yeah we're in good shape hey if good you good. raise them with the pack they won't be rough like Connie no. yeah no i it's you guys know that just as well as i do there's three big country pups right now that are in the west two of them and all three of them are cranking on big game uh casey stutzman has got two of them and i don't know how many days he's hunted since last september but the guy's a beast man i mean you can't keep him out of the woods and he's bear hunting them now so and they're doing great and they came out of big country and uh, my jazz female, and they're just—they're just hardcore, and that's not self-serving. That's just two dogs that were specifically bred for trained raccoons on a scorecard, and boom—you know—they're—they're do- they're doing it in the West, and it's all because of the way they were exposed, and the way they were mm-hmm. trained, and the way they were—they were brought up. So we should have sent the Bella Big Country litter to to big
2: game hunters. I think they would have just absolutely excelled.
1: Is Bella still alive?
2: No, Bella got run over uh, when she was eight. Uh, not long after the the country pups were weaned. Yeah, mm. but, uh, they were. They're they're going to be notoriously slow starting, competition coonhounds. Uh, just genetically, that's the way they're going to be. And some of them are. They're still really good coon dogs, but they were, genetically, in my opinion, perfectly fit. In in that situation, those would have been naturally independent dogs that would have excelled
1: just fine in a pack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, right, ma'am. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. We got to wrap it up. Greg McBride, my old bear hunting camp cook friend, asked, do you put sugar in cornbread? Josh, do you put sugar in
2: cornbread? I. Everyone's going to call me a Yankee, so I'm not going to comment.
1: There you go. See, you <laughs> live in northern Missouri, and he tries to say he's not a Yankee. I'm in Missouri. Heath, Heath, Heath what do you, you're in Northern Missouri. Missouri, Heath, though. Heath, what do you say? Yes. You do put sugar in cornbread. Yes. Yeah, you're from Virginia. That's right. Yeah, yeah you're Missouri. supposed to be from the south. I,
0: my mom, my mom does. Yeah. Um, it gives a little bit of sweetener. I, I like it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to alienate half the Houndsman XP listeners? Because here we go. <laughs> I don't even like cornbread, and cornbread is.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, we gotta have cornbread. All
2: you could spend time baking and cooking. Well, oh, here's
1: my thing. Here's my. I spend enough time with Greg McBride and all the and Steve McBride, Scott McBride, and all these guys that you know. Greg, Greg will come in and just fix food <clears throat> after bear hunting. That's just. I mean, it's phenomenal. I am a traditional type guy, so. When I'm fixing cornbread, I do not put sugar in it. But I wonder if that's more of a tradition thing or a flavor thing, because I've been in enough bear hunting trip trucks and stuff to see the little Debbie wrappers. I know they eat that junk. They eat some <laughs> stuff, you know. I know that that they're not afraid to eat little Debbies and cakes and all that other stuff. But when it comes to cornbread, they're like, I ain't. I you don't put no sugar in a cornbread, you know. So I don't get it, man. It's hey, uh PSA,
2: We all need to put the cornbread, the Little Debbies, and all that stuff down. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Use, use some monk fruit or something like that. <laughs> oh, you sound yeah. like a hippie now. I am. <laughs> I got a little bit of hippie in me too. For, for not a Yankee, I've got a little bit of hippie
0: in me. <laughs> fruit and granola. But yeah, my, my mom started doing that just to to sweeten it up. But my grandmother, both of my grandmothers did not. Right. Absolutely did not.
2: maple syrup
1: I can yeah so that's like that's like putting sugar in grits Mm -hmm. sugar and grits you know you got people say ah you don't put sugar in grits and then you got people that are that are brave enough to say grits are better with sugar in them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well that's a good one guys (laughs) I appreciate it thanks for taking the time to listen to the Houndsman XP podcast AMA we'll do this again Make sure you're watching for that photo of me and tough waiting for your questions on social media and, uh, post those questions. If we didn't get to you this time, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, we just got so much time that we can answer all this stuff. Some of it's already been answered on previous, uh, episodes of the Houndsman XP podcast and, and make sure you check out our AMA episodes and everything we're producing on Houndsman XP. And then you might find the answers to some of the questions you're asking. So Guys, you got anything else before we sign off? I don't. I appreciate it, pal. Hey, man. Appreciate you guys. All right. Good seeing y'all. Yep. You too. All right, guys. Until next time, hunting with hounds is a great time. And this is Fair Chase.